If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. This is episode 137 of the podcast. If you're new to the show, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is your place for trusted health guidance and support. Whether you're looking to improve your health or just seeking ways to stay well, we're here for you. This growing community is on a mission to improve our state of being and experience together on the planet. And if you love the conversation and insight that you get here on the show, consider becoming a health amplifier. You can support this project for as little as the price of a cup of coffee by going to patreon.com forward slash highway to health. Your support is more helpful than you can imagine. So this is another episode in our series on newborn and maternal care. And it's a special one for a number of reasons. I happen to have some family, clients, and friends involved in the development, grant writing, and funding of this project. A big shout out to Bridget Ryan and Renee Torbinson for their effort and dedication to this project for more than a decade. The Minnesota Breast Milk Bank is one of just 30 human breast milk banks in North America. And having worked in newborn care now for close to 18 years myself, primarily around lactation support, I understand the necessity of ensuring that babies are given every opportunity to thrive, especially babies who are born prematurely or with health complications. I got the opportunity to tour the facility this past summer and see firsthand the entire process from the drop of donor milk to storage in the coolers, the pasteurization process, testing, packaging, and volunteers picking up the milk for delivery to area hospitals. If you're interested in seeing this for yourself, we've put together a video of all of this on Highway Health Podcast channel on YouTube. And there's a link here in the show notes for your convenience. Included in this donor program, they've also created a bereavement program. It's more common than we're aware of for parents to lose a baby during childbirth or shortly after. So the Breast Milk Bank started a program for mothers who have lost a child to be able to continue to donate their milk to newborns in need. As Alex Nicolo, the bereavement donor coordinator, explains, this can be an incredibly healing part of the process for families who are recovering from a loss. And I get to speak with her here at the beginning, along with Mackenzie and Adam, parents who share their experience with me of continuing to donate after the loss of their son, Micah. And I finish with a longer discussion with Linda Deck, executive director of the Minnesota Breast Milk Bank, an international board-certified lactation consultant herself, about the importance of having access to donor milk in our communities. Please enjoy my conversation with the folks from Minnesota Breast Milk Bank. So tell me a little bit about the, the bereavement program here. 
So here at Minnesota Milk Bank for Babies, just like many other nonprofit um, milk banks, we offer a program here for parents who have lost um, their babies or a baby, and we have a bereavement program, which is very special. Um, and we, um, for any donor who has lost a baby, we can take their milk um, for other um, infants who are in need of it, any other medically fragile baby. Um, and we can also use that milk um, if you know, that donor would like to go through the process, we would screen them um, just like any other donor that we would have as a potential donor, or we can use that milk for research. Um, that research, um, we would use that milk for things like calibrating um, and testing equipment, training new staff, um, lab staff um, members, okay. um, or even for research studies. So we can use that milk and that milk is used and those recipients, um, you know, are benefited from that research and from any milk that is donated. Okay. Very cool. And, and how, how long has the bereavement program been going on? Bereavement has been on for about three years um, since the Minnesota Milk Bank for Babies started. Oh, since the beginning. Right. So it's been, um, we have a memorial butterfly quilt here yeah. um, where we have many, many butterflies um, that are on our quilt right now. And we're actually in the process of making another quilt um, for our other butterflies that will, will come in the future. Yeah. And we always know that they do come. And then also I wanted to speak a little bit about um, the process of donating milk and how that can be uh, very therapeutic for those um, you know donors that do choose to donate um, after losing a baby and how important it can be um, in terms of giving those donors purpose to get up every single day, yeah. um, to take care of themselves, to um, eat well, to sleep well. Um, oftentimes we know in that um, grief process it can be very difficult. Yeah. And oftentimes um, you know, it's easy to slip into depression and um, not have a purpose to, to wake up every day. Yeah. And this gives those donors, as we've heard many donors explain to us, that it gives them that purpose to get up to take care of themselves so that they can go on um, and give to other babies in need yeah. and, and have I, other families. I know just from from treating, I've, I've done a lot of work, sort of pre and postnatal work with mothers and then also with, with, with newborns and I do a lot of work around lactation support. So okay. I, I know too that I, I happen to be on the front lines of, of seeing when there are postpartum issues going on and a lot of times it's hormonal in nature. Mm -hmm. And so th those those shifts that happen, I think for, for, for mothers who have lost a, a child to be able to continue to to go through the, the kind of finish that whole process, I think also does a lot for them physically and mm -hmm. kind of emotionally, spiritually as well. Mm -hmm. And yes, and we see that. Yeah. We see that and they, they tell us firsthand um, that experience and, and how it helped them so much yeah. and how they kind of come through that process um, and, you know, come through that and, and say just how much it helped them. Yeah. And it's it's the little things. It's, um, you know, when they're pouring the milk in the containers, how honoring their babies by, you know, whether it's you know, a splash of milk that drops um, because that milk should have gone to their baby or just taking that moment when they're, you know, in that process to just grieve, um, mm -hmm. to, yeah. to cry. and. Yeah shedding a tear. It, it's those little steps that can mean the world of a difference for them. Yeah. And, and it kind of goes to show the beauty of, of that milk donation and how special it is and how special our program is. Yeah. And, um, you know, on our Memorial Butterfly Quilt, we have um, these beautiful butterflies that are handmade by volunteers. And on that butterfly, there's a side where it's embroidered with the baby's name. And then the other side, it's their date of birth. And those parents can come in and they can hang up a butterfly for their baby in honor mm -hmm. of their baby um, and the process of donating milk. And they hang it up on our butterfly quilt. And they also get to keep a quilt or a butterfly at home in honor of that child. Mm -hmm. 
And so that whole process is, is part of that grieving process and it's that healing journey for them. Yeah. And it's very special and that's what makes our milk bank stand out is we offer that program um, to honor those babies and to honor the parents yeah. who give to others in need. In, any thoughts on showing this quilt it, you know, outside of here at some point? I mean, is there is there a, a place where you guys could foresee this being? Yeah, I think um, at, you know, at a location where we could um, display this quilt and our other quilts that are going to come, um, where there might be a place where um, it's a community place where families can come and gather and honor um, their baby by looking at the butterfly mm-hmm. and just being together um, and having a space to, to come, to grieve, to to come back with memories um, and just to see something up on the quilt as a memorial um, and memory of their child. Yeah, that'd be really nice. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time to do this with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Here's my conversation with donors, Mackenzie and Adam. I know you guys started, you you donated um, for your first child too, is that right? We donated with my second child. Oh, second child, okay. So with our first child, I did donate. I just didn't know of the milk bank at that point. Ah, So I donated to just other moms in need. And then when I had my second child, I was like, there's got to be an easier way to do this so I don't have to be finding people to take this milk off my hands. Because um, I had such an oversupply with her. Yeah. And so I found the milk bank with Alia, and I started donating then. And then when we found out we were pregnant with my third, I wanted to be able to donate again. Okay. Um, and that didn't change when we got his diagnosis. Okay. Um, and so then that was just like I needed to have a project or something to do while I was home on maternity leave. Yeah. To be able to do something for him. Yeah. And yeah. so I only really donated here except for the week that I was on medication that couldn't be donated here. Uh, okay. And 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 what what has it been like to be part of something like this after a child has passed to to be able to donate and and still be involved like this? Um it was just really nice to be able to donate and still feel like Micah was doing something for somebody. Yeah, um and yeah. it was healing for me to be able to to pump and like know that I was still having that milk come in and to be able to give that milk back to somebody without, like, even though Micah wasn't there, somebody could still use it. And that was, I mean, milk is so precious, and there's a lot of babies that are desperately seeking it, and the moms want to find it so badly. Yeah. Um, Just to be able to do something for him that wasn't necessarily for him. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool of you guys to do. I mean, it's a, I've, 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 because I've been working around lactation support for a long time, I've been fortunate enough to, to work with a lot of babies who are struggling. And, and I, my daughter actually had meningitis as a 12-day-old baby. So we went through a process of all sorts of things in, in the hospital for a month. And to be able to get, we actually got donor milk at that point for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I know a little bit about it from that point of view as well. My best friend's twins were in the NICU for 70 days. Oh, and so she talked a lot know. about the NICU, the donor milk that she had to use at that point. Yeah. And I was like, this is something that I can that I can help with because yeah. I have the supply to be able to do it. And I want to be able to give back. Um, and her twins were, like, they're just a little bit older than my daughter. So when I had Alia, then it was really easy to find that because Australia talked about it so much yeah. when her twins were in the NICU. Yeah. 
Well, it's very cool. And thank you for taking a little time to go through this so other people know that this is even a possibility. And we, we, we got a little film of, of you guys putting up your butterfly in the quilt, which is such a cool thing. So yeah. thank you. I appreciate it. now for my conversation with Linda Deck. I, I went through the website and I loved the the pictures of the whole staff as babies. I just felt <laughs> like there, there was something about that, that, you know, to, to be able to look at this group of people and think about these are all, you know, this, obviously you guys from your past, but think about, you know, the, the, the future of, of babies as being like these important contributors. I just thought that was such a great yeah. thing to do. Who's, whose idea was that? Thank you. Um, I think as I think it was a team uh, effort uh, and input about when we were putting our website together and doing a website refresh, yeah. um, we looked at ways how we could you know, engage with our uh, audience and those who are interested enough to look us up. Um, and I think um, as a nonprofit uh, startup, uh, we were looking for ways to um, be interesting and fun. Uh, and this idea came up um, and we're certainly not the first to do it, uh, uh, obviously, but uh, it was fun to get that uh, those pictures in from everyone, uh, from staff members, and just to realize that, yes, we all were babies at once yeah. at one point and to share a little bit about who we are um, uh, and what we do. So, so tell me a little bit about the pro the the, this, the beginning of this project because I I remember hearing about it in like 2014 or 2015. Is that kind of about when the grant work started for it? Actually, it was in 2012, 2012. when a group of okay. very dedicated volunteers, mostly lactation uh, consultants and providers, uh, nurses and yeah. educators uh, in this area said, you know, we should have our own milk bank here. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of moms with a lot of milk. Yeah. And um, that interest started, uh, it took them six years to uh, raise enough funds uh, to educate the providers uh, and the public about the safety uh, and the importance of human donor milk. Um, and after about six years of fundraising, um, they were able to uh, locate and build out and lease a starter site, uh, the one that we're in now. Um, and to get things going, um, to do the build out, to buy the equipment, to train the staff, uh, to become accredited by the Human Milk Banking Association of North America. Um, and then in Minnesota, we are also uh, licensed by the Minnesota Department of Agriculture as a food manufacturer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So all those pieces had to come into uh, play and be put into place before we could uh, start dispensing milk to hospitals and to the public. Uh, so it took, yeah, several years for that to happen. And, and I know there aren't very many of these because at the time, uh -huh. I think I was introduced to the to the lactation consultants at North Memorial, uh -huh. who I've actually been doing collaborating work with ever since uh -huh. I, I met them. Um, but what I, what was the what just just for anybody who might be interested in the because this podcast will go beyond the the borders mm -hmm. of Minnesota, yeah. and, and there are, there just aren't very many in the U.S. I think before this there was one in Iowa. Was that the closest one? To, to, or, that or, is the next closest right. one. There's mm -hmm. uh, with the Human Milk Banking Association of North America. Uh, there are 30 milk banks in located in Canada and in the okay. United States. Okay. Um, there's uh, uh, one now in Minnesota. 
Minnesota, yeah. and usually it's by uh, state or by region. There's a few states that have uh, two milk banks, but okay. those are the larger right. uh, states as well. Okay. So each one of us is a uh, nonprofit, uh, standalone, or sometimes in hospitals, uh, milk bank um, established um, whose mission is to improve infant health uh, outcomes um, by ensuring that medically vulnerable babies have access to safely pasteurized donor human milk uh, for uh, families whose mom's milk supply is in low supply or just unavailable. Yeah. Because uh, as we know, uh, preterm babies, the, they have very fragile and underdeveloped uh, organ systems. Yeah. Um, this uh, pasteurized donor milk has been shown by research to reduce the incidence of um, a specific uh, disease in particular called necrotizing enterocolitis, uh, which is a disease of the gut, and uh, it takes these babies out um, yeah. Yeah. and is a major cause of death. So um, having donor milk, pasteurized donor milk, reduces that risk uh, at least by half. Uh, and because of that, it's, it's also used for other uh, medical conditions, such as heart issues, uh, renal failure, um, intolerance to formula. Uh, there's just some babies who do not do well yes, on cow's milk-based formula. Yeah. Um, so human donor milk then uh, can uh, bridge that gap. Yeah. Uh, uh, so by having that, uh, because of that, the Academy of Pediatrics uh, recommends that uh, pasteurized donor milk um, be used uh, for very low birth weight infants and preterm infants uh, until their mom's own milk is, is available yeah. as the next best option uh, uh, after mom's own milk. So, so going back to the to, to starting this out, do you, do you have any idea what the, the the number was, what what the amount of funds were to get the equipment, have you know to just to start putting together a staff? Did, mm -hmm. I'm sure you I'm sure you have some sense of what it, what it was. At yes, the beginning. it was about two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred thousand uh, dollars. They recommended much more than that. <laughs> right, I'm sure. Uh, and so, um, there were a lot of resources and uh, donations that were given, and loans and things like that that were taken out to get this place up and running. And yeah. then uh, when we did, uh, when we started dispensing to hospitals, um, then we were able to uh, begin supporting uh, and generate income that way. Oh, okay. So so the do the hospitals provide funding back mm -hmm. to you for, for yes. providing milk? Okay. Yeah. Uh, right now, currently, it is $4.50 an ounce, uh, for, and that covers the processing fee. Gotcha. Um, as you've seen uh, through your the tour here, um, this takes uh, a facility that holds freezers and walk-in freezers and equipment yeah. um, and a staff, trained staff, who are um, meet accreditation and licensing standards for food safety um, and uh, the facility to be able to to house it all, yeah. and all of that costs us uh, funds yeah. uh, and resources. So um, at four fifty an ounce, um, yes, we know it's. It seems pretty reasonable, actually. It does okay. Yeah, I mean, just, <laughs> yeah. just considering what I've just seen as far as the process that has to that it has to go through. Right. For yeah. safety. And this is what's so wonderful about having you come in and uh, allowing us to share what we do and what it takes to do it. Yeah. Um, so uh, thank you for that opportunity because, um, yeah, we're very we're honored to be able to, to uh, share a little bit about what we do. So what, what, what tends to motivate people to, to spend time and energy donating? Yeah. Well, many parents whose baby um, 
receive uh, pasteurized donor milk in the hospitals are so appreciative uh, of having that resource available uh, to them for their own baby that they want to give back to other families who uh, may be in need of some milk when their baby is born. And it's as simple as that. They look at our bottle, they see the label on it, and they say, hey, there's a milk bank in Minnesota. I think I can, if I can do this, I would like to do that as well. Uh, We get a lot of our donors that way who reach out to us and um, just want to share. They have a little extra milk. Um, We have some requirements, um, and you can look those up on our website. Um, It is, uh, we ask for a minimum of 150 ounces, and that will help us cover the cost it takes to process their milk and test their testing, the milk testing and things like that, Um, and then enough to pool into our uh, uh, batches. So, um, yeah, they're appreciative uh, for that, and... um, you know, given that we have some of the highest breastfeeding rates in the country, in Minnesota. Is that right? We do. Uh, according to the CDC's breastfeeding report, um, uh, breastfeeding initiation in Minnesota is at 90%. Wow. So it gives us a larger pool of donors to yeah. <laughs> draw from, yeah. uh, which is great. And and so can you explain kind of what the process is or what you tend to, mm-hmm. have, to have to guide people through as far as Let's say you have your your mother who has an oversupply. Mm-hmm. Um, do do they contact you and then kind of get a sheet of different kinds of things that they have to you know be yeah. be willing to do as far as safeguards mm-hmm. and testing and that kind of stuff and then how to freeze it and how to get it to you? Yes, yes. Um, so what we do here, we collect extra milk from lactating parents who have more milk than what their own babies need. Um, and so to ensure the safety and the quality uh, of the, the donor milk, we screen the donors uh, by phone interview. And the interview is very similar to what a blood donor would go through okay. in their interview. Uh, same, very similar types of questions. Uh, and then we test the donor's blood for five different uh, communicable diseases, such as HIV, syphilis, hepatitis, those kinds. And then we, um, uh, once we do that, um, uh, we go through an approval process. We actually reach out to the uh, donor's provider to ask them um, if there's any concerns or any uh, uh, issues. And if everything looks good, um, then they become an approved donor. And uh, once we uh, transport their milk here, um, then the, we pool three to five donors together to even out the nutrient content that we tend to see uh, amongst different donors, anywhere between 14 to 27 calories an ounce. Okay. By pooling them together, um, it, it standardizes and evens out the nutrient content to somewhere around 19 or 20 calories per ounce, okay. sometimes 22. Um, so um, once we do that, uh, we pasteurize the milk uh, using the holder pasteurization method. You know, it takes up um, the milk is submerged for 30 minutes uh, at 62.5 degrees Celsius, then refrigerated and frozen. Uh, we sample each batch um, for uh, bacterial growth, and that goes out to an external lab uh, to do that. And if it comes back negative, um, we will then uh, be able to dispense that milk to hospitals. Um, in the meantime, if a donor would like to continue donating, um, we ask that um, she uh, donate milk that's less than six months uh, of uh, age uh, when it's pumped, uh, okay. because that gives us time here to get it in, transport it to the milk bank, and to thaw it, pasteurize it, test it, process it, and then get it out to hospital so that there's still 
time before the expiration date okay. uh, to do that. Um, so by having that, um, yeah, this milk then uh, can go to premature and other inpatient babies. Three quarters of our milk does that. It uh, goes to babies in the NICU, uh, special care nurseries, and other inpatient units. The other remaining 25% goes to outpatients who, um, after babies have left the hospital and their moms, they just need a little bit of bridge milk uh, yeah, yeah. And before their you know, supply comes in uh, just you know, to even things out. And, and tell me a little bit about, I, I know you, there's a new program that you guys have uh, gotten a grant for, mm-hmm. um, for, for food scarcity mm-hmm. uh, in, in Minnesota. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, we're trying to address food insecurity. Uh, and in Minnesota, pasteurized donor milk is not covered by medical assistance or insurers at this time. Um, the fee is currently uh, at four fifty an ounce, and that's substantial for families who may yeah, not have yeah, the resources sure. to be able to do that. So, and that we mentioned before, the fee covers the processing costs to ensure the safety and quality. Um, we are committed to increasing access to donor milk for families where cost is a barrier. So, in our second year, uh, we collaborated with uh, the Minnesota Breastfeeding Coalition, another nonprofit, uh, which applied for grants through the Minnesota Department of Health to begin piloting uh, what we call a bridge bag program. And we partnered with North Point Health and Wellness Food Pantry to do this. And as you know, food pantries, they serve families um, yeah. you know, facing food insecurity, and they provide formula. Um, the purpose of this pilot was to provide a way to support breastfeeding families such as well. A, such a great idea. Yeah. Um, so these are offered uh, to families up to five bottles per bag, up to 10 bottles total. Okay. Um, uh, for no cost, um, and they just need to enroll at the food pantry. Um, and in addition to the bags, uh, resources for breastfeeding and lactation support are also provided. So it's not just here's the milk, good luck. You know, right, right. it's also about where can uh, we help them be as successful as possible. Obviously, they're yeah. interested in breastfeeding and providing human milk. Yeah. Um, what can we do? And, and they're in need; they need some help. Um, so we want to make sure that that's uh, available as a resource to to these families. So we started this pilot, and then we have another one going with the Division of Indian Work doing something very similar, and they serve indigenous families. And then we have a third pilot getting going with um, starting with uh, Olmstead County Public Health Family Home Visiting Program and the WIC program there for families as well. Yeah, and, and for the moment, you guys are, are mostly serving the Twin Cities metro area, but I know that mm-hmm. there are also, mm-hmm. from talking to you before, there's a pilot who's who brings milk to like different places in remote areas <laughs> yeah so that's another huge part of our uh program are the volunteers uh who bring in milk for us from uh, our 29 different depots around the state we call them the milk express yeah. um, these couriers are volunteer drivers they go as far as duluth pipestone red wing in addition to our metro area um uh, depots uh, where approved donors can drop off their milk yeah. uh, and bring it in uh, to the milk bank for us to process. Um, if we don't have a volunteer, uh, uh, then we have uh, another resource uh, who we partner with, um, Angel Flight Central, and they're a nonprofit of volunteer pilots. Uh, who so awesome. will, well, and it's amazing if we don't have a depot close, you know, in in the uh, outlying areas, um, they all have. Uh, a municipal airport, right, uh, right. and those are very common. So these pilots will fly to these municipal airports. Uh, we make the arrangements and coordination to have the pilot pick up the milk from the donor uh, at this municipal airport, and they'll fly it back uh, f- to us uh, and uh, t- uh, bring it to the milk bank. 
Um, so it, um, if all else fails, if we don't have a, a volunteer pilot or a courier, uh, we use FedEx priority overnight. Right, okay. So we'll send the boxes, the coolers, the, all the supplies, uh, and, and a prepaid shipping label uh, to the donors so that they can tr- you know, send their milk to us. Yeah. So, so speaking of volunteers, I feel it feels like this this project is sort of driven by a lot of volunteer support, uh, just from what I've seen, and we and I happen to know some people who yeah. are doing some <laughs> yeah. some of the couriering yeah. around around Minneapolis yeah. to hospitals. Um, if if someone wants to get involved, I'm sure there's a place on on your website, mm-hmm. and 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 you you kind of have it from what I remember, you have some sort of a list, and so when you're in need, you just kind of you do mm-hmm. a, do an email blast or something, right, and yep. let people know like we we've got mm-hmm. a lot of you know d- delivery needs right now, and people can just you know sign yep. up that way. Is that how it works? Yes, on our website, there's a place to donate milk and donate funds and donate time. Yeah, uh, and by doing so, there's a form to fill out in what terms of what interests and availability. Uh, they have um, our couriers, um, you know, usually are available during the day uh, because who wants to drive through traffic, you know, (laughs) rush hour. Um, But uh, yeah, if you have time during the day and a vehicle um, and you're, you like to drive, um, we have a lot of uh, of those and, you know, they cycle through and and then people will go on vacation and, uh, or, you know, to Florida or Arizona in the wintertime. Right, right. <laughs> a, lot, like a lot that. of retirees probably involved. Probably, yes. Uh, so it's always good to replenish our cadre of volunteers. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, this organization was built on the backs of volunteers. Yeah. Um, so we have just as many volunteers as we have staff, uh, honestly. So um, we would not be where we are without their help. Yeah. And I, and I know you guys are looking to in, increase the, you, you need more mm-hmm. space at this point. So the, you know, for anyone who can donate uh, the, the, those funds, are you, are, are you also um, continuing to get some grant support for, mm-hmm. for this project? Yes. It feels, it feels like, I mean, I love this project so much. It feels like such an essential thing for any community when it, when it comes to like this, just the baseline of health. And I, I, you know, a lot of what I kind of go through with, with the podcast, I, I think, that you know, health comes from these you know very simple things that we already know you know work for us for you know nutrition and mm-hmm. sleep and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it also comes from the community that's that's you know being being bolstered by these kinds of things too. When you have a, a, a community that's well, you know the, the the area tends to thrive. So this feels like to me like going right to the the most simple basic thing that that in any community needs, which is to start supporting babies and children from their start. From the start and give them the best start possible. Um, And it's evident here where uh, breastfeeding initiation rates are at 90%. It is the norm. Uh, I think families in Minnesota understand the importance and the impact of human milk for human babies. Um, uh, Yes, we have alternatives that are needed. Uh, However, anything we can do to uh, bridge the gaps or help them out for just a little while until their own supplies come in uh, and families figure things out, that's what we're here for. Um, so we've seen tremendous growth uh, in the three and a half years that we've been open, and we would like to continue to serve more hospitals, more outpatient families, more new families, um, to add more depot collection sites around the state um, and distribution sites uh, in Minnesota and the surrounding areas. Our mission is to serve Minnesota and the upper Midwest. And in, in order to do that, we need a larger facility uh, that can house more lab equipment, freezers, staff. Um, we have quickly outgrown our starter facility uh, in addition to having a non-renewable lease here. So we have to move. Oh, we do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're looking for a larger site. 
uh, in the metro area because the vast majority of our milk uh, goes to hospitals in this area. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and we are raising funds to assist with the cost of moving and expanding. Yeah. And we're going to have a, a bunch of uh, video footage up for anyone who's interested in seeing what's going on here. Um, you, I was fortunate enough to be walked around and, and shown the whole facility. It's my second time here, but yeah. so, so great. And thank you for taking the time to do this with me and for inviting me to, to, to come and, and witness what you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity yeah, to share. Yeah, thanks, Linda. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. You're welcome. Minnesota Breast Milk Bank. What a great project. Could there be a more potent health solution than making sure our children are well-nourished from day one? One of the most nutrient-complete substances on the planet, mother's milk, should be something available to everyone. After meeting with Linda and her crew, I couldn't help but think about how cost-effective this form of medicine is and how accessible it is as a solution. 30 facilities in North America feels dreadfully low. My hope is that this inspires more communities to fundraise and lobby to have access to a breast milk bank near you. If you are in the Midwest and would like to see this project continue to thrive and grow, consider donating money or volunteering your time by going to mnmilkbank.org and you'll find a link to this in your show notes. Let me know what you thought of this topic and episode. You can reach out to me directly anytime at jeremy at highway2.health. And please check out the video that accompanies this uh, podcast at Highway to Health Podcast channel on YouTube. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.